1: And good afternoon. Annex Wealth Management Show is on the air on WHBY for Thursday, April 1st. Welcome to the second quarter, everybody. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky is our Chief Investment Officer. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Danny. Dave Spano, President and CEO
2: of Annex Wealth Management. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Happy opening day and uh, so much to be excited about as we start the second quarter, April 1st. No April Fool's Day's jokes, please. But lots of really, really powerful economic news. Both the jobs we port in the ISM please explain the data on both of those Derek. Well, we
3: had the best ISM manufacturing PMI in 38 years. explain j- that w- and explain what that is. What what that is is it's a survey of manufacturing managers where they're asked whether they expect to see growth or, or contraction in the coming months and the number came out at 64.7 which is a very high number versus and, an estimate of 61%.
2: And so Derek, you know, just so people who are listeners or are casual listeners know that under 50% is retraction, above 50 percent is expansion. This number is way above 50. Right.
3: 55 is considered exceptional. So clearly the U.S. economy is gaining a lot of momentum as we continue to reopen and the vaccines continue to get distributed. Uh, we're also going to have a jobs report tomorrow. Uh, Goldman Sachs is thinking we could see additional jobs of 750 000 to 800,000 for the month, which is a huge number. Uh, the consensus is sitting at 655. So again, a very strong jobs report is expected. And finally, consumer confidence in March rose to its highest level, developed expectations since 2000. So consumers are obviously feeling much better about the current situation.
1: Yeah, make a quick editorial comment. Did you see that one of the biggest problems with the manufacturers is that they still can't find skilled labor? Right. And we got to get at the trades in this country. No if question. If we want to get serious about it. But OK, end of editorial comment. Yeah,
2: no I, no, I totally agree with that. You know, you and I have been doing this show for a long time. And, you know, in your
1: previous life, you worked at a manufacturing yeah. company and they couldn't get welders. Let me tell you, and our welders were really... well compensated and it's, it's that's a hard job, and the fact is that we got to wake this up if we really want to get at it. because if this infrastructure thing gets going, we're going to need people that know what they're doing. Well,
2: and that's a great segue. Thanks for setting us up. The, the infrastructure bill was presented yesterday by President Biden, and you know there's probably bipartisan support on a lot of the infrastructure. Think about airports and bridges and roads. It's just you know the the art of the deal is going to be trying to find out how he gets it done while raising corporate taxes.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um and the thing about that bill is you know when you build when you build out infrastructure it takes place over a number of years. So the plan is for 2 trillion, but again that would be spaced out over any number of years, so it won't have an immediate impact on the economy. But the other thing that people are starting to focus on a little bit more is how we're going to pay for it, and that could actually have a negative impact on the economy as people start to think about higher taxes.
2: So the way to pay for it is either debt finance in other words raising even more debt on top of the 6 trillion that we've already done in the last 12 months or raising revenues. Revenues of course are higher taxes. They are an idea to pay for it by raising corporate taxes. The reason why it catches our attention is because publicly traded companies most often are corporations that pay income taxes, and if you raise the corporate rate from 21 to 28%, that has a direct impact on profitability.
3: Right. Our calculations are that if that were the increase, uh, it, would, it would trim about 10% off S&P 500 earnings. So using a 2022 20, number of around $200 a share in the S&P 500, that would cut that number to 180, which makes the multiple instead of 21 times forward earnings more like 23 and that would be an expensive market
2: and that's right and so we do certainly pay attention to that but we hope that there's jobs we hope that there's uh, investment into our communities we totally agree with that how it happens is going to be interesting because this is the first uh, go around there is certainly a lot of talk that there'll be a second package down the road that will talk about higher income taxes for individuals that presentation will talk about some social issues, Danny. Things like free community colleges, Obamacare credits and the like.
1: Charging stations I mean you, you, right. you name Social it. Social issues yep. right. If you just joined us, Annex Wealth Management Show on the air on WHBY Thursday April 1st, 2801 East Enterprise Avenue in Appleton. As you're feeling more comfortable about meeting in person, we'd love to see you there. If not, that's no problem at all. We can do it via Zoom You just uh, get that appointment set. In fact, we've got technology. You can pick the time that you want to meet with one of our wealth managers. It's just that easy. But the website, Annex wealth.com You click that Get Started button. We say it often. It's one team, one plan, one fee. We cover investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. Make the change. Head into 2021 and beyond. AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get
4: Started button.
2: You know, Danny, you talked about all of these great things that could be happening the economy, starting to open up and pent up demand. One of the things that we noticed that we thought was interesting were the
1: number of houses for sale in those that sell them. If you can find a house for sale, if you're Selling a house, you're in pretty good shape, but that that would be the problem, wouldn't it, Dave? You you, you sell your house, and then you gotta find one. Prices are up. In fact, what were they up? Over eleven percent.
2: Right. As supply begins to decline. I know in Southwest Florida where we have a branch office, they told us supply is down seventy percent. And shockingly, there's a million houses for sale uh, throughout the United States. And how many agents? <laughs>
1: a million and a half. A million and a half. Something so more like agents that. than houses. But you're seeing an age of of cash offers, multiple cash offers, always above of the asking price, uh, no contingencies, things like that, sight unseen sometimes. Right.
2: So there's no question that there is pent-up demand and we're going to see that continue. You know, one of the things we do watch for certain is on the economic side, switching gears, Derek, is the debt that we talked about earlier uh, is $6 trillion that has been added to the balance sheets uh, over the last one year. And that gets us to nearly $30 trillion. The reason why that's important is because it affects interest rates.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, at $30 trillion I think I read recently that one third of that debt uh, needs to get refinanced over the next three years. So it puts the Fed in a very challenging spot. You know, we have an economy that's rapidly improving. Uh, we have a Fed that claims that they will keep interest rates at the current levels until 2023. Yet the economy is really starting to boom. And to the degree that the economy booms and interest rates move up, the cost of servicing that debt uh, becomes more onerous. So you have to make choices then, you know, I mean, 25 basis points increase in the 10-year yield would basically be cost the government the equivalent of what we pay every year for the U.S. Navy. Um, So, you know, important choices will have to be made. So it's very evident that the Fed is going to have to do something, if they can, to restrain the long end of the yield curve, perhaps by an operation twist where they shift from purchasing mortgages to actually saying they will purchase treasuries just to keep the long end at bay. Yeah, jawboning is called. And so you talk about
2: higher interest rates and less supply. So if you're looking at homes, uh, it'll be an interesting summer for certain. But I want to get back to the most important part, you know, when so many people come in that are either a 70-30, some type of combination in their asset allocation or a 60-40 or 50-50, whatever it is. The other number, you know, 50% in this example is equities. 50% is fixed income or bonds. And right now, it is so important to know what you own on the fixed income side.
3: Yeah, you really have to be a little bit creative in your fixed income allocations. You know, I see lots of 401k plans. We give advice on those to, to clients um, who are still currently working. And many times, they don't have many choices. They've got a core bond position and that's about it or a short-term bond position. But there are other things like bank loans, preferred stocks, um, emerging market debt and the rest that pay higher yields and certainly offer perhaps more of an opportunity than U.S. Treasuries at this point.
2: And so there is credit, you know, what's the credit quality of the issuer and there's duration. How long is the bond? That is the reason why you should know what you own and that comes from a portfolio review. We do this on a daily basis. If you're listening to this, There's a way to get this done, Danny, and maybe you should let everyone know.
1: Sure. You head to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. You click that Get Started Mm -hmm. button. While you're there, check us out. Read the story. Uh, Look into it. Uh, Know the Difference Checklist is a great place to start. There is a significant difference between financial advisors, and we think we prove it day in and day out. As a four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, we're on the list for the Top 100 Wealth Managers at RIachannel.com, a proud partner of the University of Wisconsin. Most importantly, a fee-only fiduciary. Let's talk about the value of an advisor. We have two segments on the show between now and five o'clock on WHBY. We'll have the first one next.
5: This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, WHBY.
1: Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust at Annex Wealth Management You know, it's human nature to want the best deal on goods and services. We want to pay the least, but we want to get the most. And why not? It's our hard-earned money. You've also heard the old adage, get what you pay for. Brandon Lehman, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Can I get an amen to that? I agree, 100%. Right, welcome back. When it comes to your investment and retirement plan, the value of an advisor is an important discussion.
6: It is. You really need to know, one, who you're working with and, and what you're getting out of that relationship there's more to it than just investments. And we want to take a deep dive into really everything that comes from that relationship of working with a valued partner on the financial advising side.
1: For sure. Russell investments put out a really nice piece that caught your eye and it's an excellent five-step process that breaks it down. And we're going to talk about that. They do a, B, C, P and T. A is first up, that is annual rebalancing of investment portfolios. And we talk about this a lot. Yeah, we do. And, and why this is so under, important to understand is because as the years move
6: along, portfolios change. Every year you could have some things that do well, some things that don't. And if you're not paying attention, if you don't have somebody behind you, guiding you, helping you, looking for those opportunities, you're going to miss out on the opportunities to basically sell high and buy low. A great stat is if you look back and Russell Investments put this out in a study they did from January 1st, 2009, if you had a basic 60-40 portfolio and you didn't make any changes to that portfolio, 10 years later on December 1st, 31st, 2019, you would have 21% more equity exposure and 18% less bond exposure without doing any rebalancing.
1: It gets out of whack. It does.
6: It does. And what's that doing is it takes you from what you consider a moderate investor, and now you're actually a more moderately aggressive investor. You've actually moved up the risk
1: scope through this process by not making any changes. Now they talk about annual rebalancing. We do it more often and they probably do as well.
6: Correct. So we you know there's there's the annual rebalancing where if you look at it in your 401k you can kind of set up that tool, but here at Annex we do it a little bit more different. We're constantly looking for the opportunities to take advantage of it in the marketplace. And this isn't a you know buy today sell tomorrow buy today. You know Dave and Derek and the investment team do a phenomenal job, but we're looking for opportunities inside the portfolio to add value for our clients. So it's a little bit more than the annual rebalancing, but overall you want to stay focused on that. And we can help you, especially on the 401k side, to make sure you're doing that because that's where you see this. People make the largest mistake in this area.
1: Gotcha. We're talking about the value of an advisor. B stands for behavioral mistakes individual investors typically make. And they do that, don't they?
6: They do. And I, I don't think there is any more time, more important time to talk about this than right now. When you think about what we all just went through, from March 23rd lows to where we are today, you know, there's a lot of panic out in the marketplace. But what you need to do is you need to stay focused on the long term. And I think you and I talked about this last week. It is very important to stay focused on the long term. And what Russell did is they look at it and they say, okay, if you're an average investor, and nobody necessarily wants to be average, but, you know, an average investor, what has happened from 1984 to 2019 is because they go in and out of the market. They Basically, do the exact opposite of what you should do, and they buy high and sell low. And that has actually can cost them upwards of 2%. Mm. By working with somebody who can help coach you through that, talk you through that, and keep you focused on the long term plans, you can see a savings in the long run for you and your portfolio. A couple of quick points on behavior. You know, there, there's a few things that you commonly see with folks, uh, and it's related to human biases. The first is obviously loss aversion. Um, so, they hold their winners too long. They're afraid to sell their losers. Uh, The second is overconfidence. They're just trading too much. Um, Another thing is hurting. So, you know, what is my neighbor doing? I want to do that. Mm. I've actually, I've gotten a lot of those calls. Uh, Familiarity. So we see a lot of home country bias. So where are most of your investments? They're right here in the U.S. Well, there is opportunity outside of the U.S. If you partner with somebody, you can definitely take advantage of that. And the last thing is just truly understanding diversification and we call it I guess you'd say naive diversification but being truly diversified and setting up a diversified portfolio and when you partner with a firm like Annex we can really direct you and help you figure out what makes the most sense.
1: Brandon Lehman is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management talking about the value of an advisor we believe in it. C stands for cost of basic investment only management are we talking about robo advisors? We are, and that's it's very simple. You think of Betterment, you think of Schwab,
6: uh, intelligent portfolios. These are places where you can go and you can get one thing you can get investment management basically, you could call it advice, but it isn't really. It, it's a portfolio that suits your needs based on you answering anywhere from six to maybe 10 questions. And that's it. There's no time for you to sit down with somebody, talk about your goals, talk about some upcoming events you might have. You know, here at Annex, one of the things I've noticed we do a lot of is we'll sit down with a, an individual and they say, well, this is my short-term goal. I have this. So we'll actually have a separate account with a separate risk tolerance put up just for that situation. And then we'll have a different account with a different type of investment schedule for different goals. When you work with a robo-advisor, you don't get any of that. You just have the pure cost. And the pure cost of that is surprisingly going up every year from five years ago when you looked at about 0.25% for a robo-advisor to nowadays on a $400,000 account, it's about 029 in a recent study that Russell Investments did.
1: Oh, that's way higher than I guess I thought. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It, it's a lot Surprising. higher than you would have expected. Sure. This is part one of a conversation about the value of an advisor. We'll be back with Brandon Lehman in a bit. Stick around for that. If we can help, head to AnnexWealth.com and click that Get Started button. Annex Wealth Management Show, WHBY, Thursday, April 1st, 2801 East Enterprise Avenue is where we're at in Appleton. Love to see you there. Otherwise, virtually is no problem at all. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management is here. Dave Spano is our President and CEO.
2: You know, one of the great things uh, we get to do is, is look at trends, and it really makes you excited about where we're going as a country. Not despondent, you know, that a lot of people are, but excited. But one of the trends that we did look at is the amount of money, Derek, that's been going into bonds versus stocks. There's a chart you put together and showed me the other day, and it is just spectacular the amount of money that has gone to fixed income over equities, and we think that's very important for a number of reasons.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been waiting for what we call the great rotation, and what you've seen is since the great financial crisis in 2008 and 2009, the net dollars that investors have placed in U.S. equities essentially is flat between actively managed mutual funds and ETFs. But you see a lot of money going towards fixed income and international equities, which haven't performed nearly as well. So one of the things we talk about a lot on the investment committee is sentiment. And when you don't see ample cash flows going into equities, it sort of suggests to me, from a contrarian perspective, that there's more to come. You know, that the odds are that this is not an overheated market where everybody's all in and there are no buyers left. And the other thing that's happened, too, is the Treasuries had a horrible first quarter. And people aren't used to losing money in Treasuries. So to the degree that they get sticker shock, much of that money might migrate away towards other areas of the marketplace, like dividend-paying stocks that offer higher yields and more upside potential.
2: And that's really a great idea, and the fact that we could see this great rotation that Derek is talking about. People are going to start using bond alternatives. One of those, exactly what you just said, dividend-paying stocks. Large, stodgy companies that don't move a lot. They aren't growth companies, but certainly have reliable dividends. And we have a list of those that we've put together. Give people just an example from 30,000 feet without giving names of what that looks like.
3: Well, like a major oil company, the first initial is a C, pays over a 4% yield. Uh, You can find the same sort of thing in, in major your banking institutions and the and the financial services sector, uh, any number of uh, capital goods companies that are obviously going to benefit tremendously from the fiscal stimulus. Uh, they offer attractive yields and, and accelerating growth. Uh, you just have to be a little bit circumspect about valuations, because we are getting close to the point where good news could be bad in the sense that it might suggest the Fed will have to act sooner than they think.
2: And I don't want to be coy by not giving the names. We just There's compliance reasons why we don't want to recommend any individual name. Perhaps, especially uh, if we own some of those names as well. So the Great Rotation is real. We could see that continue for years to come. So really, portfolio management has become so important. You know, A lot of people would just set it and forget it. In other words, put some money into a static portfolio, 60-40, and let it go. But there are certainly a movement between facts and circumstances that will prove that you need to have more attention paid to your portfolio. Active management is one of the ways to do that, Dan.
1: With the potential of this infrastructure bill, are already their names surfacing or at least sectors surfacing? Sure, sure. you
2: can think about, you know, earth movers, for example. You know, and just real quickly before we go to break, is, you know, you'll all remember that they talked about shovel-ready projects, and of course, that's hard to do. You think about building a freeway, that takes years and years of engineering and analysis before that can happen. So, shovel-ready project is kind of a misnomer when it comes to infrastructure.
1: Can we help? We sure think we can our website, AnnexWealth.com. Keep going on that free portfolio analysis. Kick our tires. See if you can know the difference, and we think so. One team, one plan, one fee. Again, AnnexWealth.com. Click in that Get Started button. More to come. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY.
7: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Back with Ask Annex. As always, Got a question for us. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button, AnnexWealth.com. Joining us in the studio, our chief investment officer is Derek Felsky. Hey, Derek. Hi, Danny. Todd Voigt, chief investment strategist. Hey, Todd. How are you doing? Good, thanks. And Dave Spano, still hanging out, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management.
2: Thanks, Andy. You know, there's so many times that we use words on the show that sometimes confuse investors, but I want to go through a number of terminology, so if we can walk away, you can understand what that is and how to use that in your portfolio. And we're going to start slow, and we're going to start with value stocks versus growth stocks. What does that mean? It sounds like I'd rather have a value stock. Isn't that true?
4: Yes, in a way, that's true. The um, value stocks, the old definition I, by Morningstar definitions They were low price book ratios below two and then uh, there are multiples of other types of metrics for determining value stocks but they're cheap relative to the current stock price and
2: right now uh, derek we have not seen value stocks in general participating really since the financial crisis you know over 10 years probably the fed has a big part of that answer
3: well, I think it's that plus a sluggish economy. You know, during a period when the economy is growing at two percent, like we did through most of the Obama years and some of the Trump years, growth is scarce. So people are willing to pay a higher premium for companies that are able to grow at a quicker rate. Plus, because their earnings are expected to grow dramatically in the future, low interest rate magnify the valuation on those companies. Exactly right. right.
2: And as you've said before, Derek, is that a rising tide lifts all boats?
3: That's true. But we also find that when you know the tide goes out, we've find out who's swimming naked. So, So in this case, the value managers are really seeing a renaissance, lots of rotation that way. We've seen the fag stocks languish for most of this year as areas like hospitality services, hotels, banks, and so on that are well associated with a value framework have
4: outperformed. I would also add that value is relative. So different industries and sectors have different levels of value. So technology and consumer staples might have different trade at different levels of valuation. So if you specify value on an absolute number basis, you're going to get really cornered into certain sectors of the market. Think of it as on a relative basis over the last 10 years or whatever, you might find certain other what appear to be growth-oriented sectors actually selling cheap.
2: All right. I told you we're going to start slow with an easy one, a softball, if you will. Todd, uh, that was saying, what is a value stock? Now I'm going to step it up a little bit because of all the conversation of higher taxes and the fact that there is some strategies that people can use. One of them is using options strategies. And I don't want to get too deep i want you to take a very basic concept and say all right you have a stock let's just say apple for example and it has doubled what could someone do right now because of capital gains taxes going higher
4: they can choose not to sell the stock and rather if they're concerned about stock going down they can buy a put option to protect now put options cost money when you buy them any either option calls or puts But in this case, if you can't sell the stock or you have a concentrated position, you could buy a put option to protect it and not have to sell the stock
2: we do that with some of our clients. There's option strategies. One of them are puts, one of them are calls. You can use it, and there's ways to defer taxation. There's ways to be tax smart with some of your portfolios in that. So that's one concept. Now, the last one I want to ask you about, probably the hardest question, is are there other cryptocurrencies other than Bitcoin? Now, remember, we've got to be able to explain this, Derek, to our individual folks, but, you know, we're seeing other types of Bitcoins out there right now.
3: No, there are. The the second largest or just one that I'm aware of is, is Ethereum. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, it's based on blockchain technology. An interesting speculation It's actually outperformed Bitcoin this year, but there are thousands of of cryptocurrencies out there. In fact, we're starting to talk about non-fungible tokens, all sorts of different asset classes that have been created in the kind of in cyberspace. And a lot of this stuff is is really highly speculative. The Fed actually talked about it recently. It wouldn't surprise me, Todd, if at some point down the road, central banks issued their own digital currencies. That would seem to make some sense. Or
2: or, or some... Regulation could step in as well. We saw right. that Bitcoin uh, ended up over fifty thousand, and we saw that Elon Musk said that you could buy a Tesla by using some of the cryptocurrencies, specifically Bitcoin. So it does get complicated. We have so many questions and answers to give, but we only have a couple of minutes.
1: If you got one for us, head to our website annexwealth.com. Look for the Ask button. I've just got to ask you real quick, without without weighing in too much, how much are you being asked about NFTs and Bitcoin? People are
2: really more concerned about their financial plan and honestly getting from point A to point B in their
1: financial future. But it's the hot thing, the headline it's, it's thing. It's, thing, it's so. worth a
2: conversation, but they are more concerned about, do I have enough money to retire? Am I paying the right amount of taxes? And how does my portfolio
1: look? Know the difference at Annex Wealth Management? It's Team Tech Trust. HSAs, or healthcare savings accounts, are powerful tools when properly used within a financial plan. So we're going to cover what they do, how they do it, and hear a real-life example from an Annex teammate. Joining me, Randy Winkler, Manager of Financial Planning and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management, Matt Morsey, CFP and Investment Management Specialist at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome
0: back, Randy. Happy to be here, Danny. And Matt, good to have you here. Hey, Danny. Hey, Randy, let's start off easy. Define an HSA. We're talking about a uh, healthcare savings account. Whether you have the ability to have one or not depends on the type of insurance you have. So if you have a high deductible healthcare plan, uh, which means that you've got a deductible for of uh, 1350 if you're an individual, or 2700 for a couple, you have an, uh, the opportunity to open a health savings account. Isn't that where most of them are now? A lot of times you have a choice. A lot of companies will switch insurance companies on a yearly basis, and they give you a couple of choices. You can take the plan that's cheapest to you from a premium standpoint, but more expensive from a deductible standpoint, the high deductible plan. They give you the incentive of having the HSA, and there's some tax advantages we'll talk about in a little bit. Or what a lot of people go with is say, give me the uh, lowest deductible possible, but then they have the highest premium Matt, we've also heard of things called an FSA. What's the difference between an
1: HSA and an FSA?
7: FSA is a flexible savings account, and they're very, very similar. Two main differences. One is how much money can you put in them. On a yearly basis, an HSA has a higher limit that you could put into it, um, up to $7,000 for a married couple, 3,500 individual. An FSA is $2,700 per person as the maximum. So you could put less money into the FSA. The other difference is the FSA is a use-it-or-lose-it type plan. You have to use it that year, and there's usually some spillover time into the beginning of the new year that you're able to use that money. But if you don't use all of it, it's gone. Whereas in HSA, that money's yours. You can have that forever, and you have many, many options on what you could do with it, but you don't have the, the lose-it portion of that.
0: Randy, you've described HSAs as having triple tax advantage. What does that mean? Yeah, these are great. They're probably my favorite kind of account. So the money goes into it uh, tax-free, it grows tax-free and can be withdrawn tax-free if it's used for medical expenses. So it's the only type of account out there currently that has the, all three. There are a lot of accounts that have two, but not the accounts that have all three different uh, tax advantages. So Matt, if somebody has
1: an HSA, where does it fit in a well-crafted financial plan?
7: There's a lot of different ways to use it. Primarily, you're looking at it as what is the best way if we have health insurance expenses? What's the best tax-efficient way to be able to, to pay those off? For other people, it's an emergency fund for health insurance purposes. Whether you're going to have that issue this year or 10 years later, that it's a pool of money that you can access to pay those bills that you're not going to be paying out of pocket. That's going to affect your spending at that point in time.
1: Both you guys, I think,
0: operate the HSAs at a fairly high level. Randy, what is your method? Well, my method is evolving. Uh, One thing I love about working at Annex is we learn things new every day. And I've had some very in-depth conversations with Matt, and he's kind of swayed me over to his way of thinking. So I'm kind of straddling two different strategies. So my HSA, I've got it in a bank account, and I'm using it to pay some current bills. So I had some surgery in years past. I set up payment arrangements. I've got bill pay, so there's 50 bucks or 100 bucks a month going out. That one, I'm getting advantage of the tax-free money going in and coming out, but I'm not really taking advantage of the tax-free growth. Now for my wife's HSA, and this is the new part of the strategy, that's invested. That's some long-term money. We're not using that. We've got it in the market. We're thinking of it long-term, so we're, we're okay with the volatility that's there. And then on a case-by-case basis, a bill-by-bill basis, I take a look at, do I want to pay for this out of my HSA, the cash HSA, or maybe pay for it out of current cash flow, or maybe even a credit card to get some points or miles? Matt, how do you work yours?
7: Uh, very similar, but we use one account to do all of that. So we have our HSA through my wife's insurance at, at her work. And there's two components to it. There's a cash savings portion of it, and then there's an investment portion of it. So the rule we kind of have is that the first $2,000 in it is basically in a bank account earning almost nothing. That's kind of that emergency portion for us. And then anything above that gets automatically invested and then is in the market then. So that's kind of where I would view longer term, big expenses with the kids, big expenses for us as we get older, but we allow that to grow. But we keep 2000 in the checking portion earning very little interest, but it's also very, very stable, doesn't go down. So that money we can access whenever we need.
1: Speaking of the kids, you just had to spend some.
7: Yeah, definitely. So uh, last weekend, we ended up having to take our 15-month-old daughter to the ER in the middle of the night. So we haven't gotten the bill yet, but we know it's going to be very, very expensive. And as we're sitting there at about 3.30 in the morning, my wife looks at me and goes, she's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, why? And I'm thinking she's going to say, because we're up in the middle of the night, or I had a big day the next day that I wanted some sleep for. But she's like, this is going to be really expensive. And I said, no, no, don't worry. We have this HSA account. This is for years and years that we've been saving this. This is every single time where I go, why are we saving money that we're not using? This is that example.
1: It is all about putting the right pieces in place in a great financial plan. That is a big part of what we do at Annex Wealth Management. If you're not working with us, you can get started today at AnnexWealth.com. Randy Winkler and Matt Morsey, thanks for coming in today. We're happy to be here.
7: Thank you very much, Danny.
1: Thursday, April 1st. Yeah, April Fool's Day. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back on WHBY. No, the difference? It's team tech trust. You've heard the saying, you get what you pay for. And we're talking about the value of an advisor. This is part two. If you miss part one, we're going to have that on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. The value of an advisor. This came from Russell Investments, and it's quite good. Uh, they broke it up into an A, B, C, P, and T. A was annual rebalancing, B was behavioral mistakes individual investors typically make. C is the cost of basic investment-only management. We're talking about robo-advisors here. Brandon Lehman joins me, and we're going to pick things back up with the value of an advisor. We are to P, and that's planning costs and ancillary services. This is really where the rubber meets the road.
6: Yeah, and this is really what Annex is all about. This is true holistic planning to help you reach and achieve those financial outcomes and goals you, you strived your whole life to build towards. And I think, put this all in perspective, Russell Investments has done a great job here, and, and there was a study as well done by Kitsis, Michael Kitsis, if you're familiar with who that is. Kind of a um, rock star in the world, right? Is, yeah. especially in the registered investment advisory world. And Is Standalone planning, their study proved that standalone planning is about $2,080 a year, or about half a percent on a $400,000 account. That's just putting the plan together. So that's the, the time the planner puts in, the investment team puts in, the tax planning team puts in. All those individuals, when they sit down, they start building all of this and come to you with a plan. Now, obviously, that's not just a one-time plan, and I think that's where a lot of people tend to get lost, as they think, well, it's a plan, it's set in stone,
1: but really, we're monitoring this throughout the year. Dave Spano talks about this back in the old days. You'd give everybody a book, and it'd be like, see you later. It's not. This is living and breathing.
6: Correct. And with the software that we utilize here, I call it a living plan. You know, this is a living, breathing document where you can sit down. So I just did this with an individual, and we sat down, we reviewed the plan, and we looked at it with everything that's gone on. And, and while it had gone down, I think we talked about this last week, it's still in good shape. And that's the key. It's a living, breathing plan. And what people don't often realize is along with building that plan, there's so many, as you said, ancillary services, as Russell puts it savings and distribution analysis. You look at investment and cash flow planning stock options, an area where I have spent a significant amount of my career is looking and viewing, understanding stock options from major publicly traded corporations. Um, You look at property and casualty review and partnering with somebody who can help with that, long-term care insurance. The list goes on and on of all the different things that we do here. And there's really a value for that. And Russell puts it, you know, somewhere in the lines of, half to three quarters of a percent for all that time that they're putting in for you. And I think that's key to understand that it's not just what you see that one meeting a year, that those three, four meetings a year where you sit down and you view it. This is a lot of time put in by quite a few people behind the scenes to create your plan.
1: The real beauty of it, too, is we're a fee-only fiduciary. So we're not generating this stuff to generate commissions. This is part of the fee. That's what's so important. You know, we are doing this because it's in your best interest.
6: To us, what matters is giving you the best solution and supporting you and helping you find your financial goals and outcomes.
1: So you're in the backyard at the cookout and your neighbor says, oh, Brandon, I can do all this myself. And it's like, wait a minute, probably not. There's a few things you probably could. Uh, You might be really good at the investment side.
6: You might be really good at the tax side, depending on what you do for a living. However, we can bring together a whole group of folks and experts to help you in all those areas.
1: Oh, you said it. You said taxes were T and that stands for tax smart investing.
6: Yes. This is the last thing. This is, I don't want to say newer, but it has come out more recently, probably in the last five years where this has been a big focus because you started to see years where people were paying taxes, but getting no returns on their mutual funds. And that's called your capital gain distributions. So you need to be tax aware and tax smart when it comes to your investing plan. And when you work with Annex, you work with our investment team, we develop a strategy in conjunction with our tax planning team on what makes the most sense for your investment goals and objectives. And we have to be very tax cognizant of what we're doing. And I've, I've talked about this constantly on the radio, how important it is to understand what your investments are, where you hold them and what they are doing. Because in April, You might not realize back in March that it's going to have a negative impact
1: next April on you. You also use that phrase, I hadn't heard before, but tax drag. I mean, think about it. It's, it's an anchor. It, it is an anchor. And you know, Russell Investments does a great job
6: of quantifying this. And we can sit down with each individual and look at what your actual tax drag is of your portfolio and help you basically unwind that and get to what would be more tax
1: efficient in the long run. The value of an advisor. I think you've demonstrated the case very nicely. Brandon Lehman is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. That's how we think. That's how we operate. When it gets down to it, think carefully about the value of a fee-only fiduciary. That is the value of an advisor. Brandon Lehman, appreciate it. Danny, thank you so much. If we can help, head to AnnexWealth.com and click that Get Started button. Annex Wealth Management Show, WHBY. Quick reminder, our Women in Wealth webinar series. We've got two fresh ones coming up uh, called Financial Self-Defense. That happens on the 15th, happens on the 27th. If you're interested, head to our website, AnnexWealth.com, and look at the Events tab. I'm Danny Clayton, Dirk Felske, Chief Investment Officer is here, and Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. It's April 1st. It's a brand-new quarter. We're about to see some new earnings reports Yeah, that's rolling. right.
2: Every quarter. Do they ever end? <laughs> yeah. Well, every quarter, the, you know, by, by rule, you have to disclose what you've been doing, and you have to tell folks, you know, did you sell more stuff? Did you make more money? And that's how the publicly traded companies put their reports out. But remember, you have to compare. That to what is has what has happened in the past. We all
3: know one year ago where we were, Derek. Oh, that's right. I mean, we're going against very easy comparisons to use Wall Street jargon. I mean, the economy was just beginning to get shut down in March, and then it was fully shut down in the second quarter. Uh, and we had actually a very strong earnings season last quarter as well. And the analysts have been slow to incorporate the, the reopening and that's a, and its impact on on markets and specific companies. As an example, L Brands, which owns Victoria's Secret, raised guidance two weeks ago and then had to raise guidance again because a lot of those stimulus checks are finding their way into Victoria's Secret stores.
2: That's funny. You know, there is certainly people spending those checks. You know, we did some analysis on what's happening with those checks and about a third of them have been saved. 60% of the money that has been sent out has paid down debt. So 15% is being spent, but that third that is being saved is rocket fuel down the road and are probably going to get spent. Maybe it's a boat during the summer or whatever it is but we're probably going to see that continue to spend and by the way you called it about a year ago maybe a little less than that we talked about how the recovery is going to look and you said it's probably going to be k-like explain what that means
3: well k-like was there were certain sectors of the economy that were going to weather the storm better than others you know technology companies come to mind healthcare companies financial services businesses and the like but hospitality you know where the bulk of consumer spending goes was very weak and so it, it struggled but that's starting to rebound the other thing i talked about too in terms of spending is the wealth effect you know not only do we have housing prices up double digits year over year we have an s&p 500 that friday traded above 4,000 for the first time in history so people are feeling a lot wealthier so whether they're spending all of those stimulus checks or not uh the wealth effect does tend to lead to consumer confidence which we saw in the numbers and should lead to a really good earnings quarter for s&p 500 companies
2: and the biggest takeaway and this happened to me uh, just last night Someone came up to me and said, I've been sitting on a bunch of money in my account. I haven't put it to work. And then at the same time, the person listening saying, I haven't looked at my portfolio. I know it's going up. Those are two great examples that were personal experiences that I had just last night this is the reason why you should go through this process and get a portfolio review. Number one, know where you are, know how it's invested, know if there's any overlap and how much you're paying for it. And the second is the pathway to a financial plan, because the data keeps moving over and over again. There are ways to get that done, and we encourage you to go out and do it.
1: Yeah, and what we do is we look at what you, and you've heard our financial planning team over the years here on WHBY talking about their process and what they do. What's the overlap? We're not going to come back you and say, listen, you're doing it wrong. We're going to come back and say, you know what? This, 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 and this, we think are performing very well for you and your situation. This and this, maybe you could do a little bit different and a little bit better. That's what my experience has been. That's what your experience can be as well. Head to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. You click that Get Started button. You start the process for the free portfolio analysis. Annex Wealth Management, a four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, we're on the list for the top 100 wealth managers at RIAChannel.com. Proud partner of the University of Wisconsin, that matters to us. The most important thing: a fee-only fiduciary. Derek Felsky is our chief investment officer. Dave Spano, our president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. We will see you in a week. Thanks for listening. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY.